uh, slave who was able to win his freedom and then then get a little retribution for things. So this is Quentin Tarantino's tribute or, or uh, uh, contribution to Christmas Day relief. We're going to have a very, 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 very fucking controversial topic for everyone to talk about. <laughs> Here's some fucking slavery for you on Christmas. Mm-hmm. So fucking Tarantino. And the only reason the movie worked the way that it did was because Jamie Foxx was the lead actor. If it would have been anybody else with less stroke, that movie would have been completely destroyed, and it could have well, been the end of Tarantino for a while. Denzel probably could have pulled it off. Too old. <laughs> Come on, dude. Den- Denzel, Denzel is Denzel. I mean, yeah, he's, he's played great roles. Denzel so. always plays the same guy. Him. Playing this guy the way Jamie Foxx did, um, and I know Joe, me, and you both have personal heat with Jamie Foxx because of Clint Eastwood. Yeah. But <laughs> Jamie Foxx is—he—he uh, um, uh, he is the actor of the time who was able to pull that off. Uh, the whenever he comes into town in that powder blue fucking dandy boy suit, riding on horseback next to the tooth wagon. <laughs> next to the fucking tooth wagon and he's like these motherfuckers ain't ever seen a brother on a horse before right. and uh and 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 then one of the funniest things one of the funniest scenes ever in a movie and and, and brandon i'll let you tell your story about it uh before joe sets us up with his cinema day uh uh, uh thing that he had happen to him um one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen in a movie that I literally fell on the floor laughing, had to rewind it and rewatch it like three or four different fucking times because I was laughing so hysterically hard was the scene in the field when the holes in the mask are cut wrong. And Don Johnson's like, well, I can't see a fucking <laughs> Yeah. That, oh my God. That hell, shit had me fucking laughing so fucking hard, man. I, I have not laughed that hard at oh, man. There's a handful of movies I think I've ever laughed that hard at a particular scene of. Uh, you, you got anything on a break? I, I honestly don't. I watched, okay. I was just telling Joe about this earlier. I watched about halfway through that movie and I never watched the rest. I was, okay. okay. You know, yeah. It, that and was out of all of Tarantino's films. Did it, tur- did it turn you Yeah, off? that was the one that fucking, I was like, eh, not into it. It's, and that's that's the reason I said this could have been the end of Tarantino yeah. because it was that divisive for someone who's is uh, that what you're talking a 15 year fan at that point for yeah. you Brandon you're like fuck this and he turned <laughs> yeah. it off and there was a lot of people and like you know that. and it's so I can't I even say honestly I can't say it was anything to do with the film itself it might have been my mood that night when I was trying to watch it. It's uh-huh. hard to say, man, you know, because it was I never went back and tried to watch it. And 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 so, and it, you know, I think that kind of lends to it as as well, yeah. you know. I mean, so he you know, if uh, if that would have been the end of it, then we wouldn't be really having this conversation. Yeah. And you know, I mean, you know, and and, and I'll, I I probably will now, you know, after, after talking about it, I might go back and just finish watching the film. Because I don't know, there, there's I don't know what was going on that day when I tried to watch it. Whether I was distracted or what the hell was going on, but it was there was something, and it just the movie wasn't there for me. You know what I mean? 
the run the, the running gag through the whole movie with Christopher Waltz again. You have Christopher Waltz in another one of his movies, and the running gag with his movies. You know, this is Herschel, this is Schwartz, and the horse would go every fucking time. <laughs> Uh, uh, it was just fucking hilarious, man. They had a lot of red, a lot of gags in it. Um, and it was a dealing with here you are with another sensitive historical yeah. storyline kind of deal, you know, dealing with this, uh, slavery, uh, deal. And, and not only are they dealing with slavery, they're going into Mandingo fighting. <laughs> so, you, yes. uh, uh, <laughs> yes. uh, so you know, and th- this is where you get one of Leonardo Ca- DiCaprio's. Um, Brandon, since you haven't seen it to this point, I don't want to give any spoilers, but I do have to discuss <laughs> yeah, something go for it. with Joe. The, okay, so the scene in there, whenever he's cracking open the skull and he's like, you're going to pay me my $10,000. And he slaps on that table and his hand is bleeding and shit. That was a completely ad-libbed by accident moment. Did you I know did that? not know. Yeah, man, that was knowing <coughs> that. Look, watching it, watching it while the movement, while the movie happened, that's almost the actor giving you goosebumps kind of moment. But then knowing that that it was a complete and and Quentin was like, no, keep fucking rolling, and and uh, Leonardo just basically completely lacerated his hand open, accidentally hitting one of these little prop shell pieces on this table. He slams his hand on this uh, uh, coffee table so hard. And he keeps shooting the scene, and he's wiping the blood off, and he's licking it and everything. And it's such a visceral fucking scene. It was all completely by accident. That's one of the, like, encapsulating moments of what makes Tarantino so great. An accident becomes like a a, a, a seminal moment yeah, in yeah. the movie. Now, uh, that, that's, that, that's like I said, I definitely need to go back and try to watch it again because that's the only... Out of all of the Tarantino films that I've seen, that's the only one that I never finished watching. Outside of the hysterical story that Joe is getting ready to tell, (laughs) I actually do. This is this is actually one of my favorite Tarantino movies. I don't know why, but I love watching it. Um, For some reason, there's just something about it. Jamie Foxx fucking is cracks me up through the whole goddamn thing. And, uh, of course, Christopher Waltz and everything. And then Dan Johnson coming in and uh, just just a lot of stuff. But, uh, Joe, I'll turn yeah. it over to you because you're, uh, you're there on opening night, right? I was, I was there. Uh, well, it was opening morning, actually. And, and let me just say yeah. that uh, the, scene, the scene with the, uh, the Ku Klux Klan and, uh, and the, uh, yeah. my wife made these uh, – <laughs> made, made – <laughs> that is a funny scene and, and it makes the movie worth watching just because of that scene let me tell you this is my least favorite Quentin Tarantino movie and I've been, and it's kind of I think about this episode of the Cosby show it's kind of the best reference I can give for it when uh, Denise brings one of her boyfriends home to, to visit uh, Cliff to meet him and Cliff just absolutely hates it um and he's like, you know, Mr. Huxford, why do you have this thing against me? He's like, well, let me tell you, you know, imagine, uh, you know, he like goes into this whole thing about having steak and the whole works and stuff. He's like, oh, yeah, I like steak. And he says, well, uh, and now put that steak on a trash can. Lid. <clears throat> and the kid's like, what? He's like, you came to us on a trash can lid the way she kind of presented <laughs> the way she kind of presented him to the family. Um, 
it, it was presentation. And it was, and this is the presentation of the movie to me. So it, it was tradition. I think you were living in Wisconsin, maybe, or you were you were living out of town at the time. It's the only reason you weren't. I was in Lafayette. <clears throat> okay. Lafayette. Okay. So that's why you were not there for the usual. Uh, yeah, this is great, Brandon. This is great. I I have not been so shaky sure in my life. Yeah. Um, so, so we would do our thing. We'd meet up for Christmas. We'd do our gift exchange and stuff. Then we'd go. We'd usually go eat Chinese food, which is the only place that's ever open on Christmas Day. Um, and uh, so we did that. And uh, this was back before they had assigned seating, really, in the theaters. It was a couple years before they do assigned seating. So, what we decided to do, <clears throat> it was it was a bunch of us. It was like five or six, seven of us. Uh, it was me, Sarah, uh, our friend Drew, uh, a couple other people, Nick Hale, maybe, um, and, and Eddie Ortiz, who I wish was here because, you know, he. I, I feel bad saying this story without him being there. Um, but anyways, we go to the, we, we go to the, I forget, it was like a one thirty showing or something. So we go to go out to eat and we're running late because we're waiting on Ed, of course. Um, so we get to the Chinese place and we have about 15 minutes to eat. And so the rest, part of our Christmas tradition is yeah, waiting on yeah, Ed. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, so, <laughs> and so we got about 15 minutes. So the rest of us just get regular buffet and stuff. Well, Ed decides to get the Mongolian grill. And if you know anything about the Mongolian grill, dude, you got to go and you stack all the shit on your plate and then you, you give it to the guy and he, he whips it up on the walk and with a hat and shit and fuck you, give him a dollar or whatever and you get your shit and eat it. Well, Ed decided he needed to do the Mongolian grill. Uh, so by the time we're done eating, we're like, dude, what the fuck? The rest, the rest of us just got regular. Like, oh, oh, calm down, dude. <laughs> of course, which is Ed's response to everything is calm down. So we get to the theater, we buy our tickets, uh, and it, we knew every. I think everybody knew except for Eddie that this was going to be kind of a, a packed theater. It was going to be kind of a big show uh, because of Quentin Tarantino. There's always the hype around it, and we get there, and we got there. Showtime was one thirty. I think we got there at like one thirty-three. So we're already late when we walk in the door. We get our tickets. We go to get in get in the theater and we're going and it's filling up and the only place left is the very front row um and you know on on like a on an airplane when they have like the uh <laughs> right the last seat that you can get if if you if you're on like reserve or whatever waiting to hope hopefully you can catch an earlier flight well they have that one seat by the exit that has all the leg room but the chair doesn't recline and so you're <laughs> so you're responsible for not only being part of an emergency exit but you have no uh, tray table and you have not, basically nothing, dude, except a seat. That, you know, with and all you're going to sacrifice yourself to get everybody right. else off the plane. <laughs> right. So this is, this is what we're faced with, the front row of the theater, and it's a 90,000-foot fucking screen. And so the seven of us line up there, and we get in the front, and, of course, you're sitting where to where your neck is just kind of like bent back, and you're looking at like a 60-degree angle at one point on the freaking <laughs> – the screen because that's all you can see <laughs> and i sit down and drew sitting next to me ed's uh, and then my wife sarah sitting like next to us and then a few other people and then ed's on the far end um we sit down and it's like oh my arm <laughs> my, my armrest is down so i go to lift my armrest up 
and I'm not paying attention because I'm just I'm already stressed out that we're what the we're there so late. And I go to lift my armrest up and it's a shoe and it's digging right into my shoulder. <laughs> and I turn and I look at the guy. And I'm not gonna say anything more than I look at the guy. It's a big guy. That's all I'm gonna say about it. Um I look at him and I'm like, you know what? It's Christmas, man. It's it's cool. Whatever, dude. I just want to enjoy the show. And I'm sitting there, I'm trying to get comfortable. And Drew, of course, I could see Drew kind of looking awkward at me uh you know around the shoe <laughs> that's that's between us and it's just digging into my fucking shoulder and i'm looking and uh sitting there i'm trying to squirm a little bit in my chair and kind of like crouch down and sink down and you know maybe i could get it get more comfortable and i can't and i turn around i look at the guy he's looking and he's just me mother for whatever reason dude i just i fucked his whole day up by sitting in the fucking the only chair that i don't want to sit in in the whole fucking theater and i'm sitting in it <laughs> And uh, I, I turn and I look at him and I said, I said, hey, man, is the shoe to the side of my head really necessary? And he looks at me. He doesn't say a word. He's just still looking at me. And, and by this point, dude, if he would have said, fuck you, kiss my ass, anything, dude, I would have been okay with it. But he says nothing. He just sits there mean mugging me, chewing gum real slow. And that just got me fucking my blood started boiling. And I said, no, I'm, dude, I'm getting, I'm getting jacked up just talking about it right now. I said, no, dude, I'm fucking serious. And I, I don't fight. I'm not a fighter. I try to avoid conflict. I'll try to, you know, talk, talk my way out of shit. I, you know, and this guy still just looks at me. And, uh, and by this time, I'm sure my eyes are fucking busting out of my skull. And his girlfriend or wife, whatever, sitting next to him, she kind of whispers something to him. And, um, uh, and so he slowly kind of puts his feet down, whatever. And so uh, we're sitting there and I'm just, and I see Drew and Drew is, <laughs> Drew is like the ultimate pacifist. He's like the dude. It, it, I could so much see in the Drew's big about space. And right Drew now, is just sinking lower and lower in his chair, dude, because he sees me and, and I can't even sit still anymore, dude. I'm so fucking shaky and twitchy that this fucking guy didn't have the nerve to say one fucking word to me. He's got the shoe with his shoe in the side of my head. And this is before the movie even starts, right? Before, before, before this very controversial picture even starts, this guy has, you know, he's sitting there and then the film kicks off and, and this guy has a narrative for every scene and stuff. And I'm sitting there and I'm just, uh, by this time I'm tired. My neck hurts. And about an hour into the movie, Drew just gets up. <laughs> he just gets up and, like where, where are you going dude and i'm looking and i'm like man then nobody my wife is looking at me through this whole thing she's like are you okay and i'm like no dude i'm fucking pissed dude i can't even pay attention to what's really going on in the movie because i'm just so jacked up from earlier and then i see drew leave and he's standing over by the against the wall and i'm like hey that's a pretty good idea my neck hurts and i don't have to listen to this fucking idiot behind me so i get up and we watch like a good portion of the movie standing up um but it just kind of the shittiest, the shittiest Christmas, Christmas Day, Day movie, movie ever. Um, it just kind of dragged. Uh, DiCaprio was good, and don't get me wrong, Christoph Waltz was good. It was funny. There was some funny stuff, but the whole part where they started the Mandingo fighting, I just think was a little over the top, um, and the dialogue just dragged on and on and on. Yeah. And the, you know, the part with the dynamite where Quentin gets blown up and shit. And uh, sorry, you got to hear this, Brandon. <laughs> <No, it's okay. clears throat> 
you know, it, it was good. It was funny. It was kind of, you know, the way his filmmaking was at the time, which was over the top and body parts going everywhere and shit. And uh, Walton Goggins has a part in there where he's really good. But to me, just the way the movie was presented on Christmas Day in that environment, and if it had been any other day in the year, I probably would have had it out with that guy, dude. I probably would have gotten a confrontation with him. I probably would have, we probably would have got kicked out of the theater. Some shit would have fucking happened. I probably would have got I, my ass kicked, honestly, because this I, dude was fucking huge, but I didn't give a fuck, dude. I won't back down from someone who's got their foot in the side of my fucking head when all I'm trying to do is fucking <laughs> sit there and watch a fucking movie. Um, <clears throat> if I would not have been in Lafayette, we would have gotten a fight on the front yeah, row of the fucking right. side. And Ed, 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 Ed who's sitting like four seats yeah. down, was oblivious the whole time. I, he said, man, where'd you go? I said, dude, what do you mean where'd I go? You didn't hear any of that fucking shit that went on with that guy behind me? No, dude, I no, I would have jumped you. I would have done something. And I said, well, <laughs> I said, well, dude, I don't know how you didn't fucking hear it. You know, <laughs> you know and of course, Drew is already gone. He's in his car and gone. He's like, he's like fucking, <laughs> he left. But, um, and, and it was, yeah, so. And I watched it once since, and it's it's still the, the end is just boring to me. Um, it's a it's got its parts, it, but to me it's a flawed film. Um, it, this is it's it's his uh, least artistic film. I, I <laughs> See, that's how I felt when I when I first uh, started trying to watch it. You know, yeah. Like I said, I mean, there's, there's, I still there's, I still think maybe there was something else going on in my head right then when I was watching it, but. Because I've never turned off a Quentin Tarantino there's film, enough, bro, and I, that one I shut down, like halfway through the film, I there's, quit. There's, there's, a, there's enough other stuff going on in the movie that made up for it for me. But however, I didn't have that experience. <laughs> I didn't have, uh, you know, um, uh, anything else going on that day. Whenever I first watched it, uh, as a matter of fact, I, I watched it. Yeah, or Yeah, I, re- I remember when we showed it to you. I was like, man, are you going to watch this? We were kind of yeah, celebrating. Yeah. Uh, the life of a buddy of ours. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we it was a big get together and everything. And that was the end of the night movie and and blah blah blah. And uh, uh, I laughed at it so hard that the the part that I laughed at so much made the rest of the movie okay with me. Uh, even though the other stuff is just, I mean, if if that was to come out now. Whew, oh yeah, especially with what we've got uh, going on right now. You're, you're talking about. You're you're talking about a um, you know a, a huge career risking yeah. kind of a deal, and I uh, at the at the end of the day, I will say I'll give the guy admiration for the fact that he did such a hard topical movie in the way that he did, and was able to pull it off with the acting that he did. This movie received Oscar nominations. So, oh yeah. Um, no, Christoph Waltz you know, won. Well, yeah, you had you had great actors in that film. You know. Yeah, and that and and their their parts of it made up for the parts that were bad. And plus, I, I mean, not only is Jamie Foxx a good actor, so, he's also a fucking know. an artist. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, and, and that's why I say only Jamie Foxx. If it was any other uh, actor of color who was doing it, I just don't know at the time at yeah. the day it was definitely the right i mean it's day. you know um, that was just that was i mean so one that, of that was the only film that i've never 
and, never been and, able to finish watching, and, man. And so funny, we have a. We, and the funny thing is, is we have a split vote between me and Joe. Uh, love yeah. it and hate it. And a did not finish. And it's the one that we spent the most <laughs> time on top of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, that brings us to uh, The Hateful Eight. Uh, so finally, we're dealing with a Tarantino movie that instead of being an homage to a Western, is actually a Western. And so that was the hype leading up to the release of the film. Um, uh, is that, you know, you know now he finally is actually doing a Western. And then the way that the Western turns out is so Tarantino. The fact that it's just like, no, we're not going to have a fucking gun battle in the middle of the, de- uh, you know, the deserty street with the tumbleweeds blowing by. Oh, no, this is a this is a Western of a totally yeah. different color. And uh, you've got Kurt, Kurt Russell, who's appearing for him like the, the third or fourth time at this point. Uh, you, you uh, uh, again, you have uh, Roth uh, showing up again, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, of yeah, course, yeah. and a plethora yeah. of other Jason actors Lee, all yeah. reappearing. Yeah, who was, yeah, fucking and, uh, diabolical in this, dude. She was fucking great. Yeah, uh, Michael Madsen, yeah, of she course. played that maniac part. Yeah, Madsen being and Madsen finally getting to play his John Wayne esque delivery in a, in a western. Yeah. Um, other than the Western tribute scene and Kill Bill, right? Uh, was just uh, you know, uh, just the fact that finally you get to see him do because he's always been that that method actor who does the John Wayne kind of delivery. Yeah, that guy who's still in Hollywood who can still do that for whatever fucking reason. And uh, um, uh, then uh, with Kurt Russell being the guy that he is, the loudmouth fucking uh, guy, and they're in the middle of a snow blizzard. This isn't a desert town. This is a snow blizzard. The whole movie this is, is not this is, cabin. Yeah. Th- these are and, the two. Anyone who knows me knows uh, that two things I love are movies that take place in a fucking house and movies that take place in the snow. And the so, snow. <laughs> so so this, this movie could have been fucking Michael Madsen just shitting in the fucking snow. Uh, with a cowboy hat on, and I'd be, yeah, dude, fucking two and a half hours with Ennio Morricone's fucking soundtrack, dude. I'm in. Shit, no um, log. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it was so, uh, Jennifer, either one of them, whoever shit, Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, but it was so much more than that. It was, and one of the reviews that I read uh, before I saw the movie was uh, how it kind of played out like an Agatha Christie story. And it really kind of does. <clears throat> when when you think about it, yeah, the murder mm-hmm. mystery, uh, the the yeah. intrigue in the middle of it, where they have to uh, piece yep. things together, and uh, um, yeah, man, no, no, sorry, no, not at all. Uh, but it, but it really kind of plays out like an Agatha Christie kind of uh, movie, and it's something that's kind of a little bit different from anything else that Quentin's ever done, but to to date with this, um. Yeah, you know, it's a western, but it's a it's also a mystery uh, because we don't know who the who the main players are yet in it, and and then at the same time, um, you know, you don't know what the end who, the, who who's good and who's bad. You you know, I mean, you don't know. You don't know any of it. It's it's all, right. They're all kind of great. Right. And you can see you can you can see different scenes where you can see where each personality is biggest within right. each group. Yeah. But who's the main player as far as like what the crime that we're trying to solve and how everybody's going to fucking get through this? 
is a mystery all the That's way. That's the one the where the, she was and, shooting through the floor, wasn't she? Well, she wasn't, but the uh, uh, dude, but someone who wasn't even listed yeah, yeah. as in all the previews, you don't hear any of the, any of the credits, nothing, and then. That's another thing that was kind of cool. Was all of a sudden, you know, I don't even think he shows up in the credits, but you see fucking, uh, oh, what the fuck's his name? Dude from 21 Jump Street. I just went blank all of a sudden. The yeah, original or the, no, the, yeah. the new ones? The new one. Uh, Jonah Hill? You see Tatum? No, Tatum, Channing Tatum. Yeah, you see Channing Tatum, who's not yeah. in, I, he's not even spoken of in any of the reviews, nothing. And then all of a sudden, you see Channing Tatum shooting up through the fucking, uh, <laughs> through the floor, and you're like, what the fuck just happened here, dude? And why wasn't this guy shooting a long time ago? Uh, yeah. and, and, and it was, it was, that was like the biggest, the craziest, uh, oh fuck moment for me was when you see Channing Tatum. Uh, you know, just fucking blasting dude in the balls, and you're like, "Wow, that's fucking." You didn't see that coming, and then it kind of flashes. Whenever to uh, the backstory of that. Whenever, uh, whenever uh, Brandon, I'll, I'll let you tell yours next. Whenever Samuel L. Jackson is given the rundown to the O yeah. general, uh, yeah, his son on the side of the, mountain, I was like, "Jeez." Jesus Christ, what a fucking delivery on everything, first and foremost. Yeah. The dialogue, it, I mean, who else could write it but Tarantino? But it, So here's the lead-in to this movie. This is somewhat the beginning of the like Facebook social media days. And uh, not, not, not MySpace, but you know, Twitter and Facebook were out whenever Hateful Eight comes out. So you see these press releases and everybody's rumoring about Tarantino's finally doing a Western. And he keeps letting the rumor out that it's a Western. It's a Western. It, it, it's not a tribute. It's a real yeah. Western. So he doesn't tell anybody any of this other side shit that's going to go on during the movie. Uh, that uh, has nothing to do with actual Westerns, but the way that he shoots it. And it, it was just like such a, it, uh, to use uh, the wrestling terminology, it was such a swerve on yeah. everybody that uh, for me, the movie was, um, it, it was uh, great acting from Kurt Russell all the way through. Samuel L. Jackson, of course, gives a, a great performance. Michael Maston plays Michael Maston playing John Wayne. And uh, Christopher Waltz, uh, uh, he's uh, not Christopher Waltz, I'm sorry, Tim Roth. Tim Roth is, is uh, great as usual. And, and uh, all of the other uh, roles. What about Bruce playing, Dern, dude? But the fact that. Bruce Dern. Huh? Yeah, that, yeah that, that's what I was getting ready to say. The fact that he plays that old dude who's just sitting in a fucking chair with a quilt on him the whole goddamn movie. <laughs> and this, I mean, Bruce Stern killed John Wayne. This is this is yeah. this is a fucking big yeah. deal, dude. And he's just, yeah, <laughs> of all the people in the sitting anybody in this movie, nobody killed John Wayne but Bruce fucking Dern, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And he's sitting in a goddamn chair antagonizing everybody yeah. in the fucking room that he fucking can. You got uh, what's his face fucking sucking up to him and everything. Yeah, Walton and Goggins uh, was great in this. Yeah. His, yeah, yeah, and he's a it's great he, actor, anyways. Uh, for but, me, uh, just, I mean, I fucking, I personally love this movie. I thought Hateful Eight was fucking well done, extremely well done. And there were so many critics and, behind and this, this one a, too, you know. 
Yeah, this really this was out of all of them. This got yeah. the worst rating of any. Yeah, playing, there were uh, so many critics that fucking put the movie down. Puzzling, and it's like, man, this film is really well done. And <laughs> and and uh, so again, I have to I have to draw the parallel that for me, for what I've seen in my lifetime, is here's another album that Metallica has put <laughs> <Yeah>. out <laughs> that everybody is. Good damn, Chris, you're killing me with Metallica. Like, you, all, you, you know, do you not realize how much these boys yeah. have grown? Do you, are you not? Like, is he supposed to do from Dust Till Dawn or Reservoir Dogs for the rest of his life? <laughs> right. Is he just supposed to repeat this shit over and over and over again? <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> I get it, bro. I get it. <laughs> That's my feeling with him. You know, the, the, the critic shitting on him, I'm like, God damn it, man. Fuck, no. the dude alone. He's like, really it was growing. See, yeah, the, the, the most, the most criticism I've heard on Quentin Tarantino was Inglorious mm-hmm. Bastards and Hateful Eight. And and you're talking about two total yeah, and it's like it's like in both those movies to me, I thought they were really well done. They were fucking great movies, you know. Even with Samuel L. Jackson and the script, he had to fucking say, you know, (laughs) I'm not going to repeat the words, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) you know what I mean. Of course, yeah. But it's you know, but I think it was right there is where people were like, no, fuck this movie. Fuck that, and it's but which it's a movie, which is weird because Django had so much more hate yeah. speech in it than Hateful Eight did. Yeah, I mean, really, when you stop and think about it, right? Uh, and they, and, they, they love Django. I mean, they, yeah. yeah. They but when as soon as, Django, as, Sam, as, soon as Samuel fucking L. Jackson put that fucking that sentence in about the white boy, <laughs> dude, you know. <laughs> it's, all of a sudden, it's a her- terrible and, 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 movie, dude. It's like, no. Really, yeah, the whole movie's fucking no, great. Why not, the fuck and, are you guys dissing yeah. on it? <laughs> well, at, at, at the end of the day, we need this storyteller who's on the yeah. fringes. The guy who's not... He was he was avant-garde during Reservoir Dogs and through Kill Bill. That's whenever he yeah. was punk rock. Well, now he's established, and so you have to recreate yourself. Whenever you become older... You get fucking. You get you know, Everybody looks to tear their heroes <laughs> down. Yep. You know? And uh, so, uh, you know, he, he's uh, you know recreating the same storyline that he's done on every other movie. He's just presenting it in a different way, and it's a different artistic format. And I split it up into two groups. We do. Who's able to? You know, people have to push the limits, or else we stay in a bubble. And there has to be the person who's brave enough to do it. And he has the credibility to do it. He has the stroke to do it. And he has the longevity in Hollywood to take the risk that no one else yeah. can. And, uh, you know, these, these, these movies, these three movies here in particular in the chapter of uh, Tarantino is um, you, you, you've got Inglorious Bastards, you, you have Django, and you have Hateful Eight which all received his worst critical acclaim. They were average at the box office, but this is a very weird time in, in the Tarantino, yeah. you know, lexicon. Uh, uh, so not a, 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 an Asian guy and a, and a white chick to get married. Like, so like right. Bruce Lee was looked at very, very bad and everybody wanted him to fail. And a lot of people openly challenged him. So they were playing that part of him. And they were just playing like an outsider's view of how you would look at him if you didn't like him, really. 
is what Quentin did. And even though he got heat for it, I saw what he was doing. No, I, I had no, I had no problem with the portrayal. It was I, I thought it was a little curious, but I I really had no problem with it because you got to expect someone like that, someone with those kind of mad skills. You've got to be kind of a little fucking cocky, dude. Otherwise, you're not. Well, gonna yeah. fucking, you're not going to be that guy. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Miyagi is kind of a myth, dude. Yeah, <laughs> uh, right. To, yeah, to, bring in, to bring in, to bring kid, yeah, to to another episode. Um, the, the but no, I, I mean, really, you gotta have a little bit like uh, to to know that you're that fucking badass. Um, so I had no problem with it either. Um, but I see where people did think that it, you know, oh, why why would you portray? It? Because Bruce Lee is, yeah, everybody loves Bruce Lee. So and yeah, nobody he's, wants he's to a, make him look kind a, of a fucking dickhead. He's turned into as much of a myth or a legend as anybody ever has, other than like Chuck Norris, yeah. you know? Yeah. No, definitely Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris, man. So so whenever you're moving into Snake Canyon, isn't that what it's called? Uh where they were? Yeah. Um, where the Manson family was? No, they lived in um what was the name well, of Spawn that Ranch? I don't remember the name of the canyon. Okay, but it, yeah, Once Upon Ranch. Spawn yeah, that's where they shot a lot of westerns at. Yeah, yeah, right. It used to be an old movie set. So uh-huh. when you move into that and you see Brad Pitt's first encounter and he meets Tex and he's like, oh shit, this is a weird situation. And, yeah. um, you know, uh, there's so I much think- tension in that scene, dude. There's yeah. so much. And it's it's, it starts out. It starts out as such an innocent thing, like Brad Pitt's going to drop her off. Maybe he's going to get some a little bit of dome along the way, you know, right. because he he shows a mild interest in, in this girl. But I think it's just because he's kind of a, just a genuinely nice guy, wants to do nice things. And then he finds out where she's going. And then the tension kind of just like, he's like, hmm, you know, yeah, I'll go say hi to my friend. And then as you move along in the scene, you're thinking, oh boy, something is not right here, and you can feel it with his character. You can feel kind of the yeah. shift in the attitude of his character, and it's to me, dude. And the, you know, uh, Dakota Fanning, the, another, uh-huh. another just cameo. The way she kind of plays as as Squeaky Frome, and it's like, oh shit, is not right here, dude. Um, and that's a really, really that to me, that's one of the most, you know powerful scenes and it definitely kept me like yeah. just all right what the fuck's gonna happen here it, yeah as as far as like you know the cliffhanger kind of a deal going on uh, that encounter on the ranch and then you know he he gets out of there eventually but he meet and we meet once again bruce dern and um <laughs> bruce dern, fucking dude i can't tell you how fucking good bruce dern is man he does he not get the credit for yeah. being a fucking great actor dude he is he is great. And All he's, the way from like Digstown and back in the John Wayne days and everything. I mean, he's just done so much. Yeah. Shit. He's, yeah. yeah. He did an old movie. Uh, he did an old noir with like, with like Barbara Stanwyck or, or uh, Joan Fontaine or someone. <laughs> Where, it was like his first movie, dude. And he's like, oh, right. shit, that's fucking Bruce Dern, dude. Uh, yeah. <laughs> even the head. I, I mean, he, you can see there was one of the, the, the last. He's one of the last active guys who's that throwback to Hollywood, you know? 
And the yeah. fact that uh, Quentin keeps using him is just, it's fucking, you know, it's uh, borderline hilarious. He's going to, because Dern is going <laughs> to rise to whatever occasion they put in front of him in, in his own style. And, uh, you know, kind of like that Larry Hankin story uh, that he told us where Clint Eastwood would only do two uh, two yeah. shots. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, yeah. He walks off and he's like, no, that's as good as it's going to get because that's my second shot. I, yeah. like Bruce Dern is that guy right now, I think. Yeah, Bruce Dern can pretty much say and do whatever he wants, dude. After you, you know, after you fall through a floor in the burbs with carrying brown. You know, you've, you you have a ticket to do whatever the fuck you want, dude. So 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 here we here we are, and and Brad Pitt gets gets off the ranch, and um, he's a, he able to get away after having this encounter with Bruce Dern, and he can definitely tell something is horribly wrong with what's going on with Bruce Dern at this point. But then he comes back and he gets so caught up in what's going on with Leonardo and his neighbors and everything, like he doesn't. It, it it seems like for a hero type character, he doesn't do anything until he comes back later to kind of check in on things. He, he doesn't really like it. It's not like he went to the police or anything and he didn't really let anybody else know what was going on. But series of events happened very quickly. He didn't have a whole lot of chance to do it, but um, there, there was something like he, it was the not the perfect anti-hero kind of a character like he was flawed. It is is kind of the the way he wrote that, or at least the way I took it, and I thought that was very cool because Brad Pitt can't always play the play this flawless, good or bad guy. Like yeah. he's got to have some fuck ups in him somehow or another, and and that was a good way of showing it, even though it wasn't like uh, what you thought he would have done for somebody he knew that long ago. Yeah, uh, Brad Pitt, it's. <sighs> He's. This is a real complex character, and this is a character that you can tell he cares about his friend DiCaprio. I mean, yeah, yes. he's, a, he's he's a hired. You know, he's kind of hired by. I mean, works for him, but at the same time, you can tell there's like this friendship there, and there's this loyalty there. Um, yeah, that's and, his and it's subtle. It, it's subtle, um, but it but it's but it's really well done. And then, um, um, you know, uh, with uh, Leonardo's character going through all of his character or his career shit, you know, whenever he goes over to Italy yeah. and fails at this yeah. and comes back with this money hungry smoke show, uh, you know, who uh, you can obviously tell why he married her. But then at the uh, end of the day, she's just this horrible, 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 horrible fucking woman. <laughs> He's going through all of these pratfalls while Brad Pitt in the back is actually playing the heavy and he's right. going through all the comedy relief shit, but you get in. So uh, Tarantino writes, writes it in a way with the dialogue and the presentation of it, that you're invested in Tarantino uh, in a, um, sorry, Leonardo enough that you don't see the pratfalls for what they are until after it happens, because it's all a group tragedy for him. And Brad Pitt is just like, you know, just kind of floating through the wind, you know, floating in <laughs> life like a feather yeah. on the wind kind of deal. Uh, and he ends up being the unlikely hero at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, bringing in the uh, Manson family after that. And I, I think that the movie being out to this point now, you know, six months, uh, if we're giving away any spoilers, I'm sorry, just watch it anyways. Um, yeah. Uh, what, 
coming in with the uh, uh, Manson family and reversing how everything happens, showing Sharon Tate before she's pregnant, being who she was, who back in that time to now, Sharon Tate still holds up. Like if you look at a lot of chicks from back then, look at them now, like they don't hold up to some of these chicks they have now. Sharon Tate is like Marilyn, Jane Mansfield. She's in that area, but she didn't get a chance to do enough movies. Um, Sharon Tate was 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 drop dead gorgeous, but Sharon Tate was also an amazing actress. I saw a uh, film with her not long ago. where she, it's it's an old black and white film with David Niven and stuff. She only has eleven credits, uh, acting credits. But yeah. one of them is called Eye of the Devil, and she plays like a twin. Um, that kind of has to do with the occult and, and family tradition of like uh, sacrifice for kind of like a, an evil purpose kind of thing. Um, okay. Eye of the Devil, which is directed by Robert Altman, who did like Dirty Dozen and shit. This is a weird movie for him. It's black and white, um, but she kind of plays the name of her character is just one second here. Um, Olivia. What? Olivia something, and she's kind of a weird witch, kind of a. Uh, it, it's it's just a weird, weird, weird role, dude. Um, and you see her, and it's one of her first roles, and she is just mesmerizing in it. So she is. I mean, she is just like uh, one of those, you know, like there's some women in the world and, and none of us have ever met one. Uh, but, you know, there's some women that, you know, <laughs> whenever, you see them, <laughs> whenever you see them on screen. Speak for yourself, sir. <laughs> no, but seriously, whenever you're looking at a chick on screen and you're like, God damn, or you look at a chick on screen and it's like, God damn. And you have like almost an emotional response to it yeah. because yeah. she's so fucking hot she's like one of those kind kinds of women and that's i mean that's like you know fuck man i mean she was so incredibly gorgeous back then um for not just for back then i mean she translates to now like Marilyn does you know she's that that kind of beautiful um yeah so you, with with moving into how um the manson family comes in uh, the way that he portrays them coming into um, uh, the residence or the neighborhood itself, and really it's like the Keystone Cops, the way that they get in. And, you know, the car breaks down, they leave it, and, and all this shit after, after whenever they, uh, the one girl tries to run off. But the car breaks down in the neighborhood. That's the reason they decide to go ahead and get out where they do. And... Um, after that, it's just a comedy of errors for them that and ends uh, brutally uh, spectacular. It's uh, spectacular how brutal it is, and and that's where Quintino kind of again he's returning to form. Yeah, he's he's going back to the beginning. He's including all this artsy shit. He's got all these color contrasts going on in the background. You see the blood splatter on the white walls of this uh, you know rich young couple's house, and the way he brutalizes these women. <laughs> <laughs> the way the way he kills uh especially the last chick the way he just fucking just bashes her motherfucking head in is just like uh just so <laughs> so fucking yeah it was kind of like evil deadish yeah 
I mean, he just goes fucking just ape shit like, berserk. And, and, Quentin Tarantino meets Sam Raimi to me is, is the yeah. feel that I have. He went into full of, uh, like, Vietnam flashback on, on this scene and yeah. uh, bashes her head in. So you see the gratuitous, uh, gratuitous uh, violence. You see the color splats going everywhere, the, uh, the gouging of blood again in, in the way that they're doing it, the blood with all the black outfits and everything. And then the flamethrower, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, <laughs> yeah, the <prop> flamethrower. <laughs> and, and then, uh, yeah, you know, the flamethrower, of course. Um, and then at the end, he's riding off in the ambulance, and him and Leonardo are looking at each other, and he's like, he gives this the dumb... Remember yeah. in, in, in Burn Upon Reading, whenever George yeah. Clooney catches him in the closet and right. smiles at him? <laughs> the same kind of thing, With, yeah. like, the, the, the Hawaiian thumbs up, like, it's all good, bro. You know, and he's been all fucked up and been in this huge battle with the Manson fucking family. <laughs> and uh, here he is riding off in the back of an ambulance. Yeah, he's, he's on the acid. Hero of the movie. <laughs> you know, on acid, yeah. Completely stressing his balls off. And... Uh, <laughs> He's he's the flawed hero of of the thing, and uh, I I I can't. This this is. Uh, I'll wait until we do our ratings. But uh, the the way this movie flows, going through Hollywood history, how uh, set specific they did it, the Art Deco designs, the way he returned to the old color shit that he did with Kill Bill and Pulp Fiction and everything. Um, it, it was just like a blend of of all of his movies. And it fits in with what he said that so, he's going to do t- ten movies that he directs, writes, and produces. You feel like and this, this is last. This is, is the tenth, yeah. This is the tenth of those specific movies. So um, you know, like he did with Four Rooms, or like he did with Rodriguez, or whatever. That's not off the books. He just said ten movies where he writes, directs, and produces. And this is the tenth in the line. And he brought in so much stuff from all of his entire universe. And like I said, you see this, uh, this deluge of character after character, after character, face after face, after face, uh, things that you've seen from everything else that he's done. Yeah. And, and so that's why I'm like, he's not done. I'm not saying he's done. I'm just saying that maybe these movies are done because he said he would be done when he did his 10th one. Okay. I feel like we got a couple more coming, man. Yeah, I, I think he's going to yeah. definitely do more. I just think he's just not going to do one, do them where he does the whole kitten caboodle. I think is, I think is the is the end game. He's going to leave this as his masterpiece. And whenever you see everything coming together, this is the past, and you still see some stuff from the future and all these character reappearances. There's a freeze frame where you see Samuel L. L. Jackson in the the, uh, backdrop of the city. So Samuel even appears in the movie. So, um, you know, I I don't know. Hope if he does, he does. It'd be Hollywood legend if he does. Oh, yeah. Sure. Well, and he's already a Hollywood legend, but this this would just add to it, I think. Okay. Um. It's an interesting thought for sure. Uh, I mean, there's as right now the stuff that he's that he's actually doing. There's not a lot. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that he's talking about still. 
So you never know. You may be there may be something to what you're saying. And I've heard the same thing, like he's gonna hang it up after X amount of movies and da da da. Um yeah, and I, hopefully, I hopefully not, because I feel like he has a lot more to contribute. I don't think he's hanging it up. I think everything else he does from here on out will be collaboration. Think so, huh? Yeah. It's a possibility. So um uh, that leads us to our uh we have uh go ahead, man. So do we want to do do we want to run down like a top five of, of what yeah, we think our five, top five our five let's, best or favorites, whatever? Just kind of off the, the cuff. And, and then uh answer our, our final question before we uh, <laughs> our, our question for our guest. Um yeah. Okay. So Brandon, what's your number five? Let's let's start with you. What's what's uh number five? Yeah. Let's let's go with our top five, Quentin Tarrant. Quentin, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Uh-huh. Top five. Yeah. Number five, I'm gonna have to go. Fuck, that's hard. <laughs> that's that's a hard one. That's what she said. <laughs> that is what she said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to say. All right. No pressure. Number five. I'll say Inglorious Bastards as much as I love that movie. Okay. That's number five. Number five for me is Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight? Yeah. Okay. Um, that's good, man. Hateful Eight does not get a lot of love. Um and and like I said, you know, I gave my reference to Hateful Eight. I, I love Hateful Eight, but it's just not one of my favorites. My number five is probably a movie that's not directed by him, but he did write it, uh, or at least parts of it, is uh, From Dust Till Dawn. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just, we didn't talk about it a lot. That movie had its own kind of style, its own feel. It's uh, And it was something that really you hadn't seen a whole lot before. You have uh, these two kind of outlaw brothers who are who are kind of trying to run from the law, and they they seek refuge in Mexico, and they come across a uh, uh-huh. a bar that's inhabited by fucking vampires, dude. Um, you know, and then they have their they encounter their their problems with dealing with that, and they have to uh, ward off the vampires while they wait for their their connection to to give them refuge in Mexico, and that's just something that. Uh, it has kind of many elements to it. It's got the, the crime drama right in the beginning. Right. And then kind of your horror feel and, and even like a little bit of action adventure and a little bit of like pulp kind of kind of pulpish feel what, to it too. So before we move to number four, uh, speaking of, of that movie, since we didn't cover it very much, this one specifically shows because in every one of Tarantino's movie. Uh, there is a shot of uh, one of the lead female characters' feet because Tarantino has a well. He does have a thing with feet. Yep. And this is where he sucked Jack Daniels off of Selma Hayek's toes. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh huh. Probably the best <laughs> best foot scene of the uh, entire uh, series of Tarantino movies. catalog. <laughs> uh, but, uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, the old four. foot fetish. Brandon, what you got for number four? Number four, I was going to say from Dust Till Dawn, which we just covered. Yeah, dude, I remember we'd sit there. Yeah. 
we we spent many an hours, dude, watching that movie uh, with um, party favors, and I remember a lot of Pez dispensers for some reason, dude. We just loaded up on Pez one night <laughs> and fucking like microwave burritos, dude, to watch this fucking movie, and it was uh, it was a really cool, really cool uh, experience, dude. Okay, um, so number four for me is um, I have to say Reservoir. Okay. All right. That that started everything. It belongs in his the top of his catalog. It set the precedent for everything, and it still holds up today. Um, so I, it, I definitely, yeah, I'll go with Reservoir here. Reservoir. My number four is his last uh, output, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It was a big-time comeback for him, for me, in my eyes. Because, um, you know, Inglorious Bastards, great movie. Uh, but uh, he's just, you know, when he sets the bar so high before that, it's it's hard to hard to really keep up. And Inglorious Bastards was good, uh, but it wasn't, like, next level. And Django, we know about Django and the trash can lid. Um, yeah. And hateful eight again, you know, a cabin snow. You can fucking have a dude throwing fucking darts in a fucking cabin in the snow for fucking three hours. And I'll, I'll be glued to the fucking. <laughs> I'll be I'll be glued to it. Um, <clears throat> but this was this was a big bounce back. Uh, DiCaprio and Brad Pitt together, just uh, fucking like otherworldly, and and Margot Robbie's. Uh, I think she's kind of earning her earning her uh, her props as as a leading actress and stuff. And you know, like we talked about the 123 fucking cameos and everybody. And anytime <laughs> Michael Madsen's in anything, uh, you know, I'll watch it. So Once Upon a Time is number four for me. Okay, before we move to number three, let me go to the bathroom real quick. I'll be right back. Cool. I need to do the same thing. <laughs>
back. <laughs> yep. All right. Okay, so before uh, uh, before we go into three, two, one, I think this is where we should ask our trick question and each of us answer it. So Brandon will answer it first. I'll answer it for number two. Joe, you answer it for number one. All right. What? Kill, fuck, quarantine. Brandon answers it for number three. <clears throat> I answer it for number two. You answer it for number one. Before you give your number two movie or what? Yeah. <coughs> we're we're going to introduce the question. Brandon has to answer it first. Okay. So I'll, I'll bring All it right. into him? Yeah. Uh, All right. So okay. that, uh, that moves us to uh, number three. Um, Brandon? Brandon, uh, before you go into your number three, Brandon, we have a uh, – it's time for track, track trivia for you. All right. Quentin Tarantino style, and it's called uh, uh, Mary, Mary Quarantine Kill. Uh, or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mary Fuck Quarantine. So, and it's the uh, the members of Oren Ishii's Crazy 88. So we got Oren, we got Gogo, and we got uh, Sophie. You have to Marry one, fuck one, quarantine one. Go. <laughs> I know I fucked this one up last time. But hey. What are the names again? Uh, you got Oren Ishii, Gogo Yabari, and Sophie, uh, the French chick. And your choices are you can only use one and one for each answer. Right. So you got. So I'm going to marry. Marry and quarantine. I'm going to marry Sophie. Mary Sophie. What was the other one? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucked up now. Go, so. go, go and Oren. Go, go and Oren. But what are my options on that? I forgot. Oh, you've already married Sophie. So you got to fuck. You got to fuck one and quarantine. Quarantine or fuck. <laughs> God damn it, I'm drunk. All right. <laughs> so. Let me quote the late great. Fucking Oren. Fucking Oren. You're killing Gogo? Killing Gogo. Ooh. All right. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> so, just to recap, Brandon of the uh, Crazy 88 uh, Oren's uh, uh, gang. Brandon's gonna marry Sophie. He's gonna fuck Oren, and he's gonna kill Gogo. And now he's gonna get his number three favorite. And for number three, I'm gonna have to Quinn go with Reservoir Dogs. Okay, good. That was his first movie. It's my third favorite, and it's pretty influential to me. So, you know, I mean, I. I appreciate everything that was done in that movie. Yeah, Mr. Pink. <laughs> he can't be Mr. Purple because he's on another job. Yes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, dude getting his ear cut off. Yeah. Can you hear me? Can yeah. you hear me now? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm parked in the red zone. That shit was before Verizon, man. So, you yeah. know? 
That was funny. That was funny. And to this day, you can't think of that day. Uh, you can't hear uh, stuck in the middle without doing the, the yeah. white day. Without the, doing the, the white shuffle, yeah. dude. Um, even my wife does Yeah. Yeah. So fuck. All right. So number three for me is uh, the Kill Bill uh, double. Doing both of them. I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. They're kind of. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Because yeah, it's I mean, it's one and the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to rank one over the other. It's a complete no. movie. Uh, from one half to the next, uh, you have different things that make it great. Uh, this is the last of the movie where you have the splatter house and the uh, crazy colors, disco colors, Art Deco stuff. Kind going of both on together. Yeah. Yeah, uh, having them both together at the last one until you come back to you know once upon a time. Um, it's and then, very stylized, um, and I love the soundtrack yeah. too. Yeah, the soundtrack is incredible. The action scenes, um, even though what she does learn with that monk uh, uh, would never work in the UFC, uh, what she does learn is uh, uh, an incredible art form, and and she does actually practice Kane Kung Fu. Um, uh, uh, so, uh, she practiced, uh, that for the better part of like eight or nine years, actually. Uh, she's, she's actually not a, not a master by any means, but she can hold her own. Uh, we'll put it like that. Uh, she's a masturbator. So, uh, yeah. You know, uh, Uma Thurman, <laughs> uh, uh, Uma Thurman uh, was my favorite actress for fucking years and years yeah. and years. Oh, Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Definitely. seeing her wiggle, w- wiggle the toes and, and, dre- and drive the uh, pussy wagon and uh, um, kill old dude in the, in the uh, whenever she's in the emergency room. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, please stop hitting me. And she's like, bam, bam, bam. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah. this is, uh, we're vicious. Let's get down. Come on. This, this hot chick's vicious as hell. Right. Uh, so, uh, uh, just just the way they pre- he presented everything with it, the soundtrack and and the uh, the gory violence, the technical actual accuracy of some of the things that they did with the swordplay uh, w- uh, was um, actually super cool. That they put in the time to be able to at least make it fifty percent accurate on how shit like that would go. Um, so you know, yeah, just yeah, number three. He, uh, definitely a Hall of Fame movie. These were sure. actually the first movies where he installed um, chapters, where he would he would yeah headline a scene with chapter one and title it yeah, uh, which was kind of a you know where the his movies it was would a fall to right the, uh, um, yeah. So yeah, it's the Kill Bills are, are great movies. Yeah, uh, they're they stylized, uh, uh, and, and I'm not a martial arts guy at all, dude. But, but I every time they're on, they're amazing. Um, <clears throat> what are we on? Number three. Number two. Uh, we're getting, me, getting ready to go to number, number three two. for you. Yeah, three for me. Okay. Yeah, number three My number three, three is going to be Jackie Brown. Uh, it, it's the only uh, movie in his catalog that he did not write. He wrote the screenplay for, uh, but he took it from an Elmore Leonard uh, story. I just think this movie's kind of a under the radar good. Uh, it really is. You got guys like Rob De Niro, you got Bridget Fonda, uh, people that haven't really Michael Keaton, who've never worked with him before or since, who are in this movie, Pam Greer. Uh, and, and it's kind of like a weird, kind of a standalone movie as far as his catalog yep. goes. 
but it's just a really well done yeah. crime drama, dude. It really is. Uh, and it, it has all of his, you know, his his feel to it. Um, and just without his writing and the dialogue, not quite as snappy um, as, as the stuff that it, it had he written it himself instead of borrowing uh, from previous material. But uh, Jackie Brown is my number three. So for nice. the uh, uh, the second second answer to Mary Quarantine Fuck, <laughs> or right? Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So since mine's the second answer, I'll I'll go ahead and go. So I will fuck go go. Uh, I will quarantine the French chick so that way I can fuck her later, <laughs> and I'll marry um, uh, what's her face. <laughs> Oh, she ran. Oh, she. Oh, yeah. she ran. I bet. Oh, she ran's a good cook. Uh, oh, she ran is rich as fuck and powerful as fuck. I'll, I'll just, I'll fuck her however she wants. Yeah. And she can make all the money. I'm there. And what about the sushi? Does she make the sushi? Is what we want to know. Who cares? She has the money to buy the best. <laughs> Brandon, what you got for your number two movie? For number two, I'm gonna have to go. I'm going Natural Born Killers, man. NBK, okay. You know, it's been a big time favorite of mine for a long time. Yeah. And he didn't get the credit he needed from it. It's I, I or deserved even, to get from it, you know. It's uh I don't know why he didn't make this himself. He was already established by then. Um something we should have researched more, damn it, before, yeah. before we got into this. Uh, for sure, because no, that was that fucking movie was incredible, beginning to end. I mean, how do you how do you uh, sensationalize serial killers more than you do in this and kind yeah. of glamorize them? Uh, which uh, <laughs> fucking Woody Harrelson, yeah. man. The and, best performance. Yeah, he I was, mean, he was very good. Everybody in this, Robert Downey, yeah, with his, his accident, Juliet Lewis, just, just incredible, man. I mean, aside from that movie, Woody Harrelson, I do love the zombie movie he does. <laughs> zombie Land, <laughs> yeah. Zombie awesome. Land. Yeah. Zombie <laughs> Land. I want to see part two. I haven't seen it yet, but you know what? Oh, Double Tap, is dude. Great. Yeah, it's. Dude, that movie right there brought out Woody Harrelson, man, to another extreme yeah, that we've that. never seen before yeah. since Cheers. Right, right. You know, since Cheers. Cheers was, you know, <laughs> he's he's this guy. He's a lovable dude, lovable you know. Idiot. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> here we are idiot. with Woody Harrelson so as a psychopath, yeah. dude, and it's seven psychopaths too. You yeah. know, yeah, it's. Dude, that, yeah, I, yeah, that shit. That. Dude, that movie right there, Natural Born Killers, brought out that fucking career to a whole nother fucking level I've never seen. You know, he he's been a great actor since, and he's always been a weed advocate. Yeah, uh, so that's cool too. Yeah, and we talked about this um, a little bit in the Cheers episode, where it's <laughs> like if you had to take yeah. a bet out of all those Cheers actors, who was going to make it big? Kind of like of all the Parks and Rec actors, who was going to be like a list Hollywood? You wouldn't have thought of Chris Pratt, uh, you know, the idiot shoe shine guy in, yeah. in the fucking courthouse, <laughs> and, Parks and, Rec. 
and you wouldn't have thought about the fucking lovable idiot bartender. Yeah. Uh, and cheers to be the you know a fucking a lister for the next thirty years. You just wouldn't. Uh, and Woody's done it for that fucking long. Yeah. It's fucking great. Yeah. So I love it. Yeah, for sure. Okay, uh, number two for me is um, a movie that I can't actually watch in its entirety. Um, There's about a 10-minute scene that I usually leave the room or I do something else or whatever. Uh And other than that, I completely love the movie. And it was like the first where he did the almost noir homage and he brought in all the color and you didn't see but a little bit of an introduction to the gory violence but you saw the dialogue and you saw a, a, a unique and a new way to be able to see the movie written in chapters that were out of order and that was pulp fiction and uh so yeah for me number two is uh there there's 10 minutes out of the movie i i, I cannot watch yeah. but it it is what it is but um other than that, even even with with that ten minutes, if you if you're watching the movie in its entirety, then you're going to it, it's just a masterpiece. It's a cinema classic. They have great soundtrack in the background. They have great colors. They have great sets. They have all this little extras in the background. All these things that mean things within the movie. Right. Um, where he's really this is where he's really molding the universe that he's going to work on for the rest of the time, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, Pulp Fiction for me, number two. My number two is where it all started. Um, it's the first one I saw his. It's the first movie that he actually uh, directed by himself. Um, Reservoir Dogs. Um, it's, uh, it, it, it's kind of where I got, you know, I got hooked, right? I, I mean, right. I mean, so, I don't know how it can. And honestly, out of all of them, to me, it's the second best movie. It's not only my second favorite, but it's the second best movie he's made, in my opinion. Uh, and I think it was because he had nothing to lose. He laid it all out there. Uh, and what he came up with was like an hour and a half or so of, of just pure fucking genius. Uh, great dialogue, great actors who were on board. And that he had, uh, you know, Bushimi, fucking. Harvey Keitel, all of them, Michael Madsen, uh, one of the, uh, some of the best lines, dude, and this is Michael Madsen's defining role to me. I mean, yeah, he's been in some other stuff. He was great, Donnie Brasco, and, and um, you know, I love him and everything, but this was his movie. Um, you know, Tim Roth was good, but when you think about it, yeah. you remember Pulp Fiction, you, you remember Michael Madsen, and you remember and uh, Harvey Keitel and, yep. and kind of the, you know, the way they, they fed off of each other and, and kind of rivaled each other. Um, so, yeah, bam, 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 bam. <laughs> yeah. I don't like alarms, Mr. White. <laughs> that's that's my number two. <laughs> Hell yeah. So now we're going into uh, number one. My number one. Before you uh, go, we're we're the same on this. I got I to gotta fuck go-go because – I'm, I'm not going to try to kill her because that's going to end badly. Uh, same with uh, quarantine. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not going to try to do that because, you know, I, I lose a member or something. Um, Sophie, you're out of there. I got to quarantine you. Um, you know, yeah. she'll slide food under your door and maybe, you know, if I 
<laughs> and Oren, because I think Oren's a good cook. She's cute as a bug's nose. Uh, she wears the, the, the puffy dress that sticks out in the backside. Um, and she's kind of a badass. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where we're at. All right, cool. All right, All right, my so number Brandon, one is your, your number, number two, number man. One, man. Full Fiction. Man, that's that's the movie that drug me in. And that's a movie I'll never get tired of watching. You know? Absolutely. It's fucking incredible. Beginning to end. I don't care what the fuck's happening in that film. Maybe I had to crash that car, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, I'm sorry. I fucking sorry. love it. I'm sorry. You know? man, I didn't try to <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's dude, that movie to me was genius. And I was 15 years old when I watched it the first time. And it's genius to me today, you know. Beginning to end, man, it was just so fucking incredibly done that no other movie will touch it, dude. You know. Got you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so for me, number one, if you look at the beginning and you look at the middle and you, and you look at, you know, his bad critic days and, and all that good stuff, um, for me, uh, just because it's the freshest, is going to yeah. be uh, Once Upon a Time. He's brought everything back. He lost a lot of people, and he was able to bring them back with this. And it's another history piece, and it could have been his last. And it is, so it, I see that kind of a, as a salvo. So at this point, I, I'll put it at number one. If he does another one with all those credits, then maybe I'll re-rank it. But this, this at this point, uh, Once Upon a Time, I thought was just the – yeah, okay. let it be. Yeah. My number one is uh, what I consider to be one of the closest things to a perfect movie ever made. Um, and it – it came out in a year where there's three of the top 10 movies on IMDb came out the same year, 1994. One of them, the one the Oscar being Forrest Gump, which was probably the weakest of all three, uh, Shawshank Redemption. <clears throat> and the number one movie, which to me, like I said, is, and one day I was sitting there and I was kind of under the influence. I was sitting there watching it. And I text uh, Eddie Ortiz, just out of the blue, I said, Dude, this is probably <laughs> the most perfect movie ever made. Even though it's not my favorite all-time movie, it's it's right near the top. Uh, it's Pulp Fiction, and he's like, "Yeah, the only thing it needs is titties." Says, no, it doesn't need titties, dude. It, no, yeah. <clears throat> it does. It, it really it, did. It <laughs> you know, and I can't say that about too many fucking movies, but it didn't need titties. Um, <laughs> it's a true story, dude. I'll show you the text. Like, yeah, dude, the only thing this was titties. Like, no. No, it's it's really not. Um, this was him. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> when you think about the people in this, and you think about the actors like Bruce Willis, right, and, and uh, Christopher Walken, and John Travolta. This was his come before John before this John Travolta was doing. Fucking, yeah, he was doing. <laughs> look who's talking before this, and he came back in a fucking huge, huge way. Sam Jackson, both of them, both of them should have won the best supporting actor. He did. I mean, yeah. He did, he did yeah. 
battlefield <laughs> so um you know and uma uma thurman uma is uma yeah. for fucking 20 years she was my favorite actress and and my free pass if you will um you know, and she's she's in the movie for all of what fifteen minutes, <laughs> and, and I mean, when you think about Pulp Fiction, she's one of the first people you think. One of the images yeah. you see on the cover is her on the bed with the black hair. Um, you know, that's that's the iconic cover, and she's only in fifteen minutes of the movie, if that, and she's brilliant in it. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you got the other, you know, Eric Stoltz, Rosanna yeah. Arquette. I mean, so many of these people that play minor roles uh, that without them, and you can't see anybody but them playing those roles. Like, I couldn't see anybody but Eric Stoltz. And Eric Stoltz, I mean, he's, he hasn't done a lot. I mean, he's, when you don't, when you think of, uh, you know, iconic actors, you don't think, oh, you know, Eric Stoltz. I mean, I couldn't see, like, for example, Tim Roth, who's great. I couldn't see him playing that character. I couldn't see <clears throat> Woody Harrelson playing that character. Eric Stoltz was that guy. Uh, all the casting is perfect. Yeah. Uh, from top to bottom, from the, from, you know, the asshole in the fucking corner of the diner in the fucking corner to, you know, to Bruce Willis, to John Travolta, to Samuel Jackson, to Ving Rhames. <clears throat> um, it couldn't be, it couldn't be a, a, a better culmination of talent, a better culmination of writing. Um, and a better culmination of just execution uh, to me. So after Pulp Fiction, you know, there was a dozen movies that came along every month that tried to reproduce that style, that tried to reproduce that storytelling, that timeline. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Hor- I mean, that horribly. Out yeah. for me for what the, the, the genre one. was for the next 15, 20 years. Number one. So... <clears throat> So uh, looking looking at it, we all have uh, very uh, similar rankings here. We have a couple of different ones in there. Uh, I'll list them for everybody uh, in the notes for the show whenever we publish this. Um, uh, but uh, common denominators, uh, we definitely all have yeah. Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction. Um, uh, uh, so um, uh, also, we all spoke about things in a particular way that only Tarantino could do, or only this actor could do with Tarantino. And um, <coughs> again, going back to the same thing, we have to have that person who's pushing the envelope, you know, or else yep. we live, you know, stay in the same bubble. So we have to have that one guy. And, and this has been the one guy of the past 30 years for, for us. So you're talking about yeah. a modern day Scorsese. Um, uh, so uh, look, looking back on all the stuff he's done, he's done, he's done maybe some stuff that some of us don't like. He's done some stuff that is middle of the road for us, but he's done great movies that resonate for our entire lifetimes. And whenever you're talking about, you know, movies that it, you'll rewatch again twenty years later, yeah, um, then you're talking about great stuff. So uh, there's no no denying that uh, Tarantino was awesome. So, um, all right. So we have uh, all figured out that who we will. Well, yeah, that's the most important thing in, in, in this four hour extravaganza. <laughs> is so, <laughs> uh, we have interesting choices for different reasons. 
and um, you know it is it is what it is. But uh, uh, thanks for man, having me, man. Thanks for uh, being it. on the show again, man. Have we a good time every time. For, so yeah, man. Yeah, whenever we have, whenever we have, uh, the more oh, we yeah. know the people that we have on, the better the show is. You know, so uh, uh, anyways, uh, so we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up here for everything. And uh, before we lead out, just want everybody to know, uh, again, uh, whenever the show comes out, uh, the Life Activated link will be attached to it. You'll be able to see their entire line of CBD products. Uh, You'll be able to go directly to our ordering page for them. All you got to do is go to them and you're going to get the best possible deal, the best possible shipping, uh, uh, free shipping, or you can get two-day shipping with them. The best possible quality ingredients, lab tested. This company's only been around since November. It's a small company out of Florida. And with everything that's been going on since then, they did over $5 million in orders their first quarter being open. And since then, they've done another 15 with everything going on. So um, uh, definitely look at it. I'll provide the links on there for everybody to be able to see the uh, uh, testimonies coming from them. And uh, look at something that's going to help you sharpen your day and, and not have to deal with pain and, and have to rely on uh, addictive uh, substance, uh, substances uh, to be able to get through your day. So, you know, check it out. Life Activated. Uh, we appreciate them sponsoring the show. And until next time. <laughs> Bring your squeegee. If you do, rub it in me. real good. Don't take it me. <laughs> 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 oh, no. All right, so we got uh, oh, three no. hours.